Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 233 of Final Fantasy Union. I'm your host, Daryl, and I'm here with Lauren. Hi, guys. How are we doing today, Lauren? We're doing so well. We don't have internet very well, but but we're doing so well. It's been an exhausting two weeks. It has been. It's so sad how, like, you know, when you're trying to work and your internet doesn't work with you, how tired it makes you. It's almost like you become one with the internet and, and the exhaustion. It's like an E.T. when Elliot gets really, really tired and becomes, like, almost nearly dead when E.T. starts dying. That's how I feel with the internet. I am one with the internet and the internet is dying. Yes. But hopefully tomorrow, tomorrow we should have have it um, fixed. All our woes will all go our away. All woes will go away and we'll be able to stream again and all will be well. Yeah, so for context here, if anyone who's listening that didn't listen to the last episode, we moved house and the, the Wi-Fi doesn't work so well in the new house. The internet is better, mm. but the Wi-Fi is not. So yeah. we're hoping that tomorrow... Or today, when you're listening to this, we should hopefully have that solved mm. and all our prayers will be answered. I it's do. been tough. It's been tough because yeah. like, yeah, every like every 10, 20 minutes, the, the Wi-Fi goes out. Sometimes it's perfectly fine for a couple of hours. Yeah. Like this morning, like today, it's been it's been pretty OK. And then all of a sudden it was just like, nope, nope, I've had enough. I'm yeah. done. I'm packing up shop. Doop, doop, doop. So that's been our, our last few weeks. It's yeah. been pretty tiring unpacking everything. We we kind of made some modifications to our... We've got a new office. Now mm-hmm. we actually have an office, so we're not just... We don't have the office up in our bedroom anymore. Yeah. It's a big change. Yeah, it um, is weird. It's the first time in a long time that we've had that. We had the office um, in our third bedroom for a while before when we only had one child. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that didn't last very long, though. Yeah, well, it did. We had, what, did we have like a year, a few months? Yeah, about that, about a year. No, yeah, it would have been about a year because I was pregnant with Lizzie through the duration of yeah, living at but I also feel like South we moved you. the office into the, the bedroom before that anyway. I don't know why. Probably in just preparation, I don't know, maybe. Yeah. I but, don't know, but either, but way, either we've, way. We've got a, a small little memorabilia shelf yeah. now. Yeah. Riku is looking... So Riku? Renoa is looking proud? I don't know. I think she looks a bit lonely. I think she needs a friend. Actually, she looks kind of uncomfortable. And, yeah. Well, <laughs> Kaina is kind of threatening her a little bit. She's like, just get the F out because you're just too positive for me. I just can't handle it all the time. And then we've got uh, a 25th anniversary Chocobo plush. Mm. He's sitting next to the fat chocobo he's looking very judgmental actually <laughs> he did, he's staring at me he's like i don't understand what you're doing right now but I'm the rest of the room is is absolutely a tip chaos yeah it's, it's better than it was though it's less of a tip and mm. we've moved all of our, our final fantasy books up here so we've got all the different guidebooks i also many many years ago this is not related to anything we're talking about today whatsoever it's cool but many many years ago i used to collect soundtracks from japan and so in our Final Fantasy memorabilia section, actually, I've got more probably soundtracks than I do games, mm. weird enough, from the, from the, that generation. Um, but there's a Metal Gear soundtrack there. Yeah, I know. In, I saw the Metal Gear asset. It's in the wrong pile. But but over it in our guidebooks pile, I have a, a book that I brought many years ago. It's the Soul Calibur 2 soundtrack book. It's an audio book. 
So it's a physical book that comes with loads of stuff about the characters and the stages. I can't read any of it. And at the back, in the back cover, is the soundtrack. It's such a cool thing. I I really wish that other companies would do something similar. But mm. no, for the 7 Remake, we get like 16 soundtracks. I know, and there's the new one coming out. Yeah, so there's now there's now three soundtracks, I think, because they they just had the um, the arrangement soundtrack come out. But the thing is, is that they're kind of on a soundtrack kick at the moment because yeah. there's going to be another Kingdom Hearts 3 soundtrack coming out as well. It's just like, all right, well, we can't do anything game related. Let's just send out the music. Yeah. And what's really interesting about the 7 Remake one is that, I mean, the original soundtrack had eight discs, eight mm. discs of mm. music. That is insane. Far more than any other game in the franchise, except the MMOs. But they then were like, okay, you know what? Let's do a 7 Remake uh, uh, soundtrack plus and for music, all the extra tracks. And music from cutscenes that were in the game. Which is what they did for Final Fantasy IX. But even the original soundtrack for 7 Remake had more tracks than 9 plus 9 plus. Mm. 9 plus 9 plus, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, um, I haven't actually listened to the arrangement album yet to, to hear how that sounds. Mm-hmm. But I will do soon. Yeah. Promise. Yeah. Scout's honor. <laughs> So yeah, our room's in a better it's it's in better shape now. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's there's not as many as many boxes just kind of spewed around. But there was a lot of stuff I had to throw. Hopefully, out. I mean it was it was kind of unfortunate because we had just started up our Final Fantasy three playthrough mm. on Twitch. Uh we had some really good viewership numbers on it and everyone was getting really into it, watching me fail loads of times <laughs> uh in the original stream. Got the hang of it though by the second one. And then we had to stop. So we've had loads of people are following us now. I think we're we're closing. Well, we're we're well beyond one and a half thousand followers on Twitch, which is amazing. Mm. Um, hopefully, it will be two thousand by the end of the year. I would have thought, and we can get back to playing Final Fantasy three. I know sooner rather than later. Yeah, and I mean, like, yeah, it's just been hard, like not being able to interact with you guys, like all you guys, and and have fun with you guys on the stream because, like, that. I'll, I, I just got used to it and got happy about it. <laughs> like, yeah. it's just been a bit lonely recently, really. Um, but yeah, so hopefully, hopefully this all will sort itself out and we can be back again. Yeah. And if you do want to follow us on Twitch in preparation for our grand return, which may be this week, mm. then uh, check us out. It's Lozadar is the name L-O-Z-Z-A-D-A-R, which is for Loza. Dar. Yeah. So, yeah, with all that rambling out of the way, we are today going to be talking about an interesting concept that Lauren thought about the other day, but really has been thinking about for about the last 10 years, Mm -hmm. which is, what if they made a live action Final Fantasy? Yeah. Well, yeah. Like a Netflix series. Like that's the only thing that I could think of. Well, that the would concept be of the live action Final Fantasy has been in your brain for a very long time. You used to yeah. do your movie cast lists. I did. I did used to do those. Because, um, yeah, like I think, you know, I know some people will groan and be like, Meh. like it doesn't need a live action version. But now that we've seen like The Witcher, like it is, it is just a really cool way to interpret something that like already has a fan but I, I don't know it's just it's just i always like reinterpretations of things for reference though lauren has also seen the monster hunter trailer 
Yeah. Uh, ones that are done right. Honestly. There we go. Okay. <laughs> Gotta preface this. Yes, ones that are done correctly. Um, so that's going to be our main topic for this episode, and we're going to get into that very shortly after we read out our Patreon shoutouts. Mm. And we're going to kick things off with Barry Norton at Nortron Zero, Thurin Bullen at Massacre Twenty Three, Fayez Bellal. Louis James, Zach Duranto, Rachel Casterton at Urban Ray, Zelda Clone at Apes Type Novels, Darren Matthews at Doomster Seventy Three, Joseph Robertson at Pokemon Trainer J, Ryzen, Alex and Rachel Troutman at Akira Namejin, Billy Jackson at Underscore Billy Jackson, Miles Ribbons, Chris Pope at Doctor Pop One Eighty One, Freya Stella, Flip Sirdness, Tom Hughes at Tom Underscore Hughes Twenty Two, Yam Potato, Noah Latrell, Mitch Elliott, Sam Ennis. Tim Michael Verne at Phoenix Zero Two SA. Joshua Johnson at the Cancer Bus. Lauren Luscombe. Chris Willis. And Marco Lilu. Thank you so Thank much, you guys. guys. So yes, today's topic is going to be about the creation of a, a live-action Final Fantasy. Lauren has a, a specific idea about Netflix here. Yeah. So like, I mean. I always get these like great or certain. No, no, I get these great, great I get these ideas. Amazing ideas. Okay. Earth shattering. No, I get like really inspired whenever we do evolution videos because um, you get to explore. Well, any videos really, but you get to explore like all the different games and get to revisit them a lot. Because I'm just going through dozens and dozens of clips, um, and you know, going through it today. Um, I got up to sort of like Final Fantasy VI. I think it was yesterday, actually, that I got up to Final Fantasy VI. And um, looking on YouTube, there actually had been a fan-made trailer of um, of a Final Fantasy VI like movie that somebody was trying to produce, and it was uh, called Terra. And that got me thinking, like you know, the trailer it it's a bit rough. It's you know, it's not high production value um but i i did think that it was a really good idea because um like final fantasy 6 i think because it has so many different characters it's one that you could easily extend into multiple seasons because um you have you know you have to meet all of the main cast so you could have a different episode the first season could just be a different episode focusing on a different character like you could have an old episode dedicated to Terra as the first one or Locke or Celes like and so on like I just think it would be it would be a really good way of of sort of capturing the magic of that of that game well i guess if you if you did it follow it the the structure of the witcher then yeah those three would be the main characters because you do have Geralt, you've got siri mm-hmm. and um yennefer. yennefer and they did have episodes talking about like introducing them essentially to mm-hmm. uh, but then obviously there's many other characters yeah and i guess with the, with the character of six there are 14 playable characters you probably don't want an episode for every single one. Mm. Um, but I mean, I guess with six, you do have the outlier characters such as Edgar and Sabin. Um, and they are kind of pseudo main protagonists. I don't think they've got as much of a focus as as or a claim to fame or a stake at the being the main protagonist as mm. say Terra Sellers or, or Locke do. Mm. But they are still very prominent characters. And I think the way The Witcher did it was quite good 
because they had all of the the characters that people know quite well they gave them enough screen time but they were never the really the main focus yeah yeah like you had the whole like um party of the um this is going to sound really bad because i can't really remember it off the top of my head but the people who were from um the same uh the kingdom that siri was growing up in i can't think of what that queen's name was but like the really badass queen like she had quite a big role in the sort of um the uh raising of siri didn't she in the very beginning of yeah. the in the very beginning and like queen throughout Calanthe. the series queen queen Calanthe. and um like they had the whole destiny um sequence where you found out how um how siri became uh became Geralt's destiny or whatever the it law, is the law of surprise the law of surprise that's it um but yeah and it could work it could work in that way and i think that there's a lot of interesting set pieces that would be good for ending like each season out like i mean with um with the first season you could easily do like the phantom train as like the ending of the first season and i think that would be a really epic set piece to do or you could do um Oh, well, I think you would have to do that if you were going to include the poisoning of the um, the poisoning of Sian's uh, kingdom. I guess um, the interesting thing, though, is that obviously with The Witcher, they've it's a it's a different type of thing, right? Because mm-hmm. The Witcher Three is the equivalent of Final Fantasy VI in terms of length mm-hmm. and story, but obviously with the The Witcher series, they're doing off the books, yeah. And I'm not like super up with it but i know that the the original series was a, got a combination because it, it started off as a collection of short stories right yeah so with um with final fantasy 6 you know it, it's whether or not they do try and condense it into one because it's not a book and most of these tv series are based on books as opposed to a a video game property mm-hmm. with a with a wider script so i guess that would be the main question of how they choose to condense it down like is there enough of a narrative because typically they're eight to ten episodes right and they're it's about an hour long so you've got about eight to ten hours worth of content and i guess if you look at how they did the seven remake versus seven they managed to obviously you've got gameplay in there as well but they managed yeah. to increase an experience that was approximately about six hours to about 30 through the telling of story because that's just what happens when you add in dialogue and and extra cutscenes and sequences and mm-hmm. So, it's, I guess it's whether or not they can add. They would be able to add enough substance, and how long it would be. Because I guess Netflix typically like two, three seasons. You'd be looking at. Yeah, I guess the other thing is that we they would probably have to really make it. Um, in order to sort of pass, they would probably have to make it more adult. Because I don't see how they could pass it as being like anything, but that I mean, like to make Kefka more realistic, like he does some pretty messed up stuff. So you kind of have to make it like you have to make it that dark, that much darker in order to suit that. Um, I think it depends though, because there are lots of um, children's novels where they're kind of aimed at sort of, you know, eight to 12 year old mm. uh, kids where it's fantasy based and they, and they do have it. So it's more, I mean, I, I've got one downstairs, which I read when I was a kid called Redwall. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I, I 
I seem to remember them tackling like pretty harsh issues in those, but because it was animals, mm. you kind of glossed over it a little bit. Well, I guess when you think about like Harry Potter, like Harry Potter was like really childlike in the beginning and really light and airy. It still had creepy moments, but it was very, um, a 10 year old could watch it. Whereas like the, as the series went on, the, um, storylines became darker and darker and darker but like, yeah, like I wouldn't let the same sort of age range who would watch um, the age range who are watching the first Harry Potter versus the age range who are watching the last um, Harry Potter film, Deathly Hallows Part Two. Like that wouldn't be the same age range in my mind, you know, um, but like that's just because that series grew up with them. But then like, yeah, I guess that's a thing. Like I wouldn't want it to be a Game of Thronesy type of show, but I feel like they would have to, they would have to make it that way because everything's kind of that way. I mean, The Witcher is very much like that sort of Game of Thronesy type of realistic yeah. um, type of atmosphere, but then that's what The Witcher was anyway. Just for reference, though, the the original Harry Potter was a PG, mm. and the Deathly Hallows Part Two was also a PG, but was, was PG thirteen. It felt it just a lot of the the themes were a lot more. I think it would be too scary to show Ali. There is intense action, violence, and frightening mm. imagery, mm. apparently. And the uh, philosopher's stone had uh, some scary moments and mild language. Because like you don't, nobody die. Um, does nobody die? Nobody dies in in philosopher's stone nobody dies in that they don't start like dying until like four and that's when like cedric diggory dies so yeah like i mean but in deathly hollows like a lot of people die yeah i mean they're a combination between pg and pg-13 some Mm. half of them are like a prisoner of askman is on your pg Mm. that was quite creepy though right um yeah yeah, it's a bit it's a bit more creepy because of Sirius Black and stuff. It's also the highest rated. But it is my favorite, honestly, of all of them because you have like um the werewolves and and Sirius Black and stuff. But yeah, we're getting off topic. But either way, like I just think that 6 would work the best if they were to do it just because I just think Kefka is such a strong bad character that i think that he would keep people's attention and then also obviously you have the empire i just feel like there's a lot of levels to six that a netflix series could handle they'd also have a lot of fun i feel with the espers Mm. because you have the different types so there's the flashbacks you'd have with the esper world but you'd also have like lots of fun dealing with like ramu yeah the old man and and like sid also in his costume yeah (laughs) But then it's also the question of like what what do you do with it? Like I I mean, I would love it if you know if Japan or um, them could like handle something like that. But um, if they did do it in the West, I was sort of thinking about like actors who could be in it. And I know Daryl like tends to. Uh, <laughs> tends to not agree with my methods is because like typically when i think about like cast members i think of ones who would actually probably be interested in doing something like that instead of thinking about straight like this is ultimate 
dream casting. But then I, I like, uh, my counter to that is always that you never know. And all you have to do is look at The Witcher, for example, when Henry Cavill found out they were making it. He's a huge fan. Yeah. There are so many. Rob Pattinson just came out and said he's a big Final Fantasy fan. Yeah. So you well, kn- Final Fantasy Seven fan. Yeah, but, but yeah. like you know, how many how many actors are there out there that love Final Fantasy in general and mm. would love to be part of it? It's true. It's becoming a bigger thing now, where the actors that they're getting involved have a big connection to the franchise. But then I also like to think that like with that in mind like a lot of the times when they when they do like voices over here at least for like um Final Fantasy 14 they always like to have like sort of English people in like um British accents and stuff so then I was like sort of thinking well they probably would want like maybe if they did do something like this they would want to get British actors to play the roles because this Final Fantasy just feels more in line with the that sort of fantasy type of um, type of thing, you know? Like- yeah, it was kind of like in their transitional phase before they went full-on modern stuff. Exactly. Um, but, I mean, some of the ones that I came up with, the one that I'm most proud of, which I don't know if it would work now because of the fact that he's, he's a lot older, so I don't know how old, how old Kefka should be, really. But... Um, Willem Dafoe as Kefka would just be creeptastic and amazing. Apparently he's 35. What? Wait, oh, Kefka is. Yeah. I was going to say, Willem Dafoe is definitely not 35. He's, he's supposed to be 35. He's supposed to be your age. Yeah. You're Willem Kefka. Willem Dafoe is 65. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think that would work But you never much. know. You never know. But, like, um, in terms of, like, uh, I think Tara... I had, oh, I never remember her name. Um, oh, there it is. All right. I would have um, Anya Taylor-Joy, who's like the lead in Split and um, Glass. She's also like Emma. She just has like another worldly face. She looks really cool. Um, and I feel like when you, if somebody's going to play Tara, they have to, they have to look almost exotic they have to look um sort of otherworldly because she's half esper half half human i feel like that would work um and i just i love anya taylor joy's face she just looks she she looks like a fantasy character like she's just really pretty and then um daryl didn't like my option for Locke. I just I just think he would be really awkward and cute um, because I think Alok is awkward and cute, but Asa Butterfield from Sex Education because he's like this really sweet looking like English bloke. And I just think that he's an English bloke. Yeah, he's the um, he's the lead character in Sex Education. And like when I think about Locke and the fact that he has this whole thing with Rachel and how dedicated he is to Rachel, it's just a bit... It's it's just sweet, and I think that you need somebody who's like sweet, somebody who's really conf- who's like has this sort of weird confidence where he shouldn't really be confident, but he is confident, and just like a sweetness to him. So I just think Asa Butterfield has that. Um, Edgar, I said Jack Loudon, who's um, he was in uh, oh my gosh Dunkirk and Fighting with My Family. And I just think his face really works for, um, would work for someone like um, Edgar. But then 
someone on Twitter, um, Mexian, um, said that perhaps um, Jack Loudon would better fit Seven because he's um, sort of got the physique of somebody who would be like um, like Seven, like a fighter type of thing. But then I couldn't think of another Edgar, although Daryl's thought of Timothy Chalamet. Uh, Chalamet? Chalamet. Chalamet, there you go. Chalamet would be a good one, but then I thought that maybe he wouldn't be interested because he really likes to do his movies, but that's just me. Um, and uh, for, You always say that I think I about know. things too much, and then here you go, <laughs> I know. thinking about absolutely everything. And I everything. know that she's not actually, I know that she's not actually English, so she doesn't really fit fit it, but I just think Maya Hawk, I just want to see Maya Hawk in something else, and she, of course, was in, um, well, she's, Uma Thurman's freaking daughter and you need somebody badass to play Celeste and I just think Maya Hawk, if she can do a convincing English accent would be really cool as Celeste but yeah um, so ultimately I just it was just an idea I had and um, I don't think it would ever happen because Screen Enix probably never want to go down that route again. I they mean, are doing a Kingdom Hearts and a The World Ends With You anime. Animes, though, not like a, not like a full-on live action. But maybe it is safer to just do an anime. Well, it's funny you mentioned that, actually, mm-hmm. because my option when you said about... Although they do topic, have the Final Fantasy fourteen show, of course, just so that I don't have people yelling at me. They have a Final Fantasy fourteen show. Yeah. Daddy, but it is Daddy a different light, thing. Right? It is a different thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So when you thought about this, my immediate thing was that it has to be an anime mm. because Dragon's Dogma is obviously like pretty popular. Castlevania was an anime, like mm-hmm. they, and I know that they did some um, some manga that they've done as the live action, right? Mm-hmm. But I feel as though the that would be the best chance like Ultraman just got redone as well mm. which I was watching um so I feel as though you know there is there is an appetite out there for it and and Netflix are kind of happy to to go into those arrangements with um people actually there's another one that's just been um been announced as having an anime produced I'm sure yeah. oh Cyberpunk right they're doing mm. they're doing a Netflix series um as well so you know, it's not outside the realm of possibility that a big property could could have something created for it. And, you know, the fact that Cyberpunk is getting an, an anime to me was quite interesting because it is a self-contained property like a Final Fantasy game. Mm. And they're using the anime to tell other stories in the same universe. Mm. And Final Fantasy Fifteen had a similar thing, not as well produced as it would be if it was a Netflix series. But Brotherhood still showed that it's they are not opposed to doing something like that if it can be a supporting story. Obviously, Square Enix have a history with creating supporting stories that don't necessarily make sense or they don't work that well with the world and Mm. just make it too much of a barrier. And it'll be interesting to see how Cyberpunk deals with that. But I feel as though Dragon's Dogma and the Castlevania ones, um, from what I know, they're kind of more standalone offerings that you don't really have to know anything about to, to be able to enjoy. I felt as though if they were going to go down the anime route, then Final Fantasy IX would be a really good option for that because it's the game that has the most diverse cast of characters. It would be so fun to see them all animated in that fashion and they'd be able to have so much fun with animating them as well and bringing in all the different quirks of the cast and the wider world. 
And I feel as though um, following that same structure that you proposed, Final Fantasy IX does have a clear protagonist, a clear deuteragonist, and a clear tritagonist in, in Zidane, uh, Garnet, and Vivi. Mm. And you could spend a lot of time focusing on each of them and their kind of trials and tribulations and do things that we never really got to see. Like there was a small segment focused on uh, Vivi falling out of the uh, cargo ship and then getting found by... Um, whichever Q member I can't remember the name off the top of my head um quail it may have been mm-hmm. he found him yeah um and just kind of his early life which led him up to going to Alexandria uh, Zidane again you didn't really get to see anything of him in his early time after he was found by Baku and became a member of Tantalus and um Garnett you you never got to see anything about her pre-game either in terms of like the whole story about how she's not really Queen Bronze's daughter. It was so she's hard to do like her like prince to do her origin princess. stuff. Like the fact that like there's literally nothing on her mom or her before Bron really at all. There's yeah. one clip, <laughs> like, yeah, which is in her in, in the sea. Yeah, but yeah, like she. Um, there's so much about her that we don't really know, and we get to see what we believe because that's the thing like you she they make it that be- you believe that she is queen Bronze's daughter and then when you learn that she's not queen's Bronze's uh, daughter then you obviously start to understand a little bit more about why queen Bronze is not overly bothered mm-hmm. about what's going on and she's kind of happy to follow kuja with um how things went and and yeah like the the relationship with them is is an interesting one so I feel as though there's a lot of stuff they could explore with those three characters. Um, yeah. You wouldn't really need to know too much about Steiner and stuff. But again, you could do small flashback sequences to talk about Steiner's relationship with Beatrix to introduce her as a character because she would be a prominent point in it. Yeah. And like Kuja, oh, so much fun with Kuja. Like imagine Kuja in like the Castlevania or Dragon's Dogma art style. Like, yeah. And Garland as well. Like there's so much stuff they could explore because Final Fantasy IX is a really fantastical adventure. And I think the thing that's really cool about it is that it does have so many throwbacks to the wider franchise. So if someone wasn't too familiar with the with the series and they didn't want to play a game and they 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 use this as their entry point, then Final Fantasy IX would be a good good entry point for that because you have a black mage in a prominent role. You've got Garnet, who's a summoner. Mm. Um, you've got she's also wears white mage gear sometimes. Um, you've got the summons everywhere. You've got kind of interplanetary travel. You've got like the four fiends are in there. Like there's so many classic elements that mm. are called upon as the story goes through that it would be really easy for them to to connect those dots and then make people more curious. Because, I mean, you look at The Witcher, so many people watch The Witcher TV series without ever having played the games before. And it's just heightened their interest. But But everyone's playing The Witcher 3, even yeah. though the Witcher series isn't about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, it, it's actually interesting that you say that. I mean, everybody everybody bangs on about, like, the possibility of them doing remakes of the games. But I do think that doing something like a anime series is probably a much easier, possibly cheaper, I maybe would say, well, way I mean, of remaking, of, like, presenting the story in an updated way without having to break the bank by remaking the game but i mean this is the thing where it's like if you if they were smart about it because they wouldn't have to pay to make it netflix would yeah it's true it's true 
but yeah, like I think it is a good advertising opportunity really for all of their games because like the thing that it's is the biggest barrier is the fact that a lot of these games are old like they are in old style and sort of newcomers into the games industry at the moment they're not looking to play a game that is like in 2d form i know obviously i'm a present company excluded because a lot of you don't care and know that you know the games are great and don't it doesn't really matter to you as much about the graphics but to get people who maybe are on the fence about final fantasy to come into it and maybe even try to play the older games which is like the golden era of the series this would be a great way to sort of share those stories without them having to be put off by the fact that the graphical style doesn't really match the Final Fantasy VII remake. I do think it's true as well because, like, even I've never played a Witcher game mm. outside of The Witcher Two very briefly, and after watching the series, I was thinking, oh, I really want to go back and play the original Witcher first, and I wasn't too bothered about the fact that yeah, it's not going to be that great of an experience because it doesn't have all the modern bells and whistles. And I think as when you have that nostalgia card, it does make a big, big difference mm. to your willingness to go back to older games. Because I remember playing um, a Serious Sam game that had been remade in like 2010 or something, or 2011. And, you know, that was the first person shoot they released in early 2000s. So it wasn't that long ago in, in comparison. But it was so hard. Like, it was just because they, they, they purposely left it old school. And, like, you know, you're coming off the back of playing modern FPS games and it's just like it's night and day it's so hard to go back to those experiences because you just don't have all the things you're used to and that's what a lot of like if you've never played a final fantasy game before and people are saying yeah yeah go back and play like final fantasy 7 or, or whatever it's just like it's it's such a barrier mm. yeah especially There's a lot like... of people that will ignore that barrier and they'll have a good time nonetheless but i think the easiest comparison for me to do is is talk about near you know i I spoke about Nier for many, many years talking about how great it is, but so many people that I recommended it to just couldn't get into it because of the graphics. They just didn't like the gameplay, didn't like the graphics. And I was like, look, you've just got to give it time. Give it a good, like, you know, five to ten hours and and you'll fall in love with it. But there's a lot of people that just don't want to do that. Mm. They want it to just be something that they can get into pretty quickly and they don't have to fight against to to get to the good stuff Mm -hmm. yeah like i mean it's just yeah i just agree (laughs) so so this would be yeah i mean this would be a good sparrow entry because if if they did make a series like this and people got more ingrained and they gained an affinity with it they would be more likely to go back to say play final fantasy 9 in the original form because they have a connection with it Mm. and they would be willing to overlook some of the deficiencies but potentially depending depending on how you look at it but they'd be willing to overlook some of those things because they know what's in store for them they know that they just need to give it a bit of time and yeah sure maybe the gameplay style doesn't suit what they want to get out of it but the story will be good or they maybe they just want to experience what it was like in its original form yeah i think it's also like it's it's just i think this is sort of what i said before i mean it might not really be the case with final fantasy 9 because i feel like final fantasy 9 is a it's sort of timeless in my opinion but like um 
you know, whenever we they do any of these remakes or remasters, like there's always something wrong with them. Like a story, the music's not really that great or um, the graphics don't really look great. Titus or Titus, his face looks a bit weird in comparison um, to the original, you know, like there's always, there's always these little bits that are off and, um, you know, I just sort of think like with the, with something like the anime series, I think there's very, there's, there's less of a risk of them getting certain things wrong. Granted, they do have to still manage it quite well and obviously yeah and i think that's the thing that's keeping the things that are necessary scrolling don't have the best track record i mean you just gotta look at last order where they didn't really know what was going on with it they ended up having to call it non-canon because the story they didn't follow the same story yeah yeah and i mean like kingsglaive like i know there's there's some people who really love kingsglaive but like for me personally i just found that that was like such a big sore spot in the Final Fantasy 15 lore because it just didn't it didn't mesh up with the story of 15 like Ravis is like a completely different person and I realize that he probably has like some kind of epiphany between maybe Kingsglaive and stuff but it just it just didn't feel connected at all and like the fact that like Luna with Noctis and stuff, it it just didn't, yeah, it didn't feel right. Justice for Claris. I know, justice for Claris. Poor Claris. Um, but yeah, there's just there was a massive disconnect, and also I just didn't think Kingsglaive was was that well put together. I felt like it was. Um, it looks good. It it looked pretty, but there was far too many fade blacks. Um. The writing was kind of all over the place. The script could have used massive rewrites. Um, yeah, yeah, but that's it. <laughs> but yeah, so I think I think that they just need they would need to put it in the hands of somebody who who is trustworthy, and I think Netflix could probably lead them to the right person. Yeah, but I guess the way it would typically work is that someone has to go to Netflix with a pitch. Because mm. um, that's obviously what happened with The Witcher. Um, a showrunner just kind of had this True. great idea and they just went to them and said, yeah, we, let's do this. And Netflix was like, yeah, let's do it. And yeah. Yeah. So hopefully there's someone out there listening to this that thinks, you know what? This is a really good idea. Yeah. I'm going to pitch and it actually, to Netflix. I think like Willem Dafoe would probably be a good voice person for for... Kefka. He can play Emperor Castal instead. Maybe. Matt Mercer has has said that he would love to play Kefka. In the and past, he would be yeah. Great. Yeah, he would be a great Kefka. But on that note, I think it's time for us to wrap up. Okay. Hopefully yeah. you guys have enjoyed the uh, discussions and uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts about what you think would be a suitable Netflix series. Yeah. And in what format? Yeah, whether or not you want it live action or anime or, or a movie or a show. Movie or something. What let, do you want? Let us know in whatever way you desire. Hmm. On that note, though, the next episode of Final Fantasy Union is scheduled to come out on the 10th of November. And uh, until then, be sure to check out the website, com for all the previous episodes. And if you enjoy what we do, why not support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash FFKUnion. For now, though, it is time for us to say goodbye. 
This has been a Final Fantasy Union.com production. Bye.